Let us give thanks. God of wisdom, grant us the power to hear, understand, and react to your teaching this morning as we explore the lessons from your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, in the last several weeks, in this church here in Cambon, we have been listening and looking at stories from one of the greatest storytellers that has ever lived on earth. Now, his name is Jesus. Now, Jesus was a master storyteller and a master teacher. And his stories, or parables as they are called, have fascinated, bothered, challenged, encouraged people for over 2,000 years. Now today we'll just limit ourselves to the two parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. But it's also very important that we try to understand the context in which these stories were written. Why did our Lord tell these stories in the first place? Now, as I said earlier, Peter and the other speakers who have been speaking to us in the last few weeks, they have pointed out, pointed out to us that these stories in the Gospel of Rook, these parables of Jesus, they are classic stories that are, get immortalized in our memories. And the two we are going to look at today are really no exception. Our Lord created these stories from everyday familiar situations in life. He taught about God and the kingdom of God using common examples that were there during his time. And I'm sure if our Lord was to tell these stories today, he would probably use the examples of losing or misplacing our car keys or losing our mobile phones. Things that our life becomes impossible without them, or so we think. So, here is the scenario that Luke sets in front of us. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Now I want you to cut and copy that statement. Save it somewhere, we shall come back to it later. But there's nothing extraordinary there. This seems to be part of Jesus' life so far in his encounter with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Everywhere he, he went, it seems to happen over and over again. He surrounded himself with sinful people. And the religious people could not stand it. Now, Luke starts by telling us that sinners and tax collectors had all gathered to listen to Jesus speak. Now, during the first century, Palestine... Tax collectors were very hated people for two reasons. One of them, they collected tax on behalf of the Roman government, which was a colonial power. 
The second reason was that they overcharged the taxes and pocketed the, dif- dif- the difference in their, in their banks. That's how they became rich. Now, you might say, nothing has changed for 2,000 years. The inland revenue still does the same anyway. Now, as for the other sinners which Luke speaks of here, it could have been any number of people. For my part, I think he meant the prostitutes. Regardless of who these sinners were, the religious leaders and Pharisees in first century Palestine viewed them as outcasts, people to be ignored completely because of their lifestyle. But put the situation in your mind. Can you see why all these sinful and broken people came to Jesus? They all gathered around him because they wanted to hear him. They hungered for God's truth. They were desperate for grace and forgiveness. They loved Jesus because he identified himself with them. And they wanted him to change their lives as well. Now on the other hand, the Pharisees believed that the only way somebody could become righteous is if you completely separated yourself from the sinners. Now Jesus came around and shattered this myth completely. He did this by spending most of his time with very sinful and broken people. Well, in fact, if you read the gospel, it seems like Jesus enjoyed the company of sinful people more than he enjoyed the company of religious people. Perhaps that kind of a statement doesn't sit very well with your theology. If you think so, I want you to look at the Gospels for yourself. Who does Jesus spend most of his time with? That's right, the sinners. And who received his harshest criticism? Religious people. Now, later on in Luke 19, Jesus tells us why he spent so much time with the wrong kind of people. He said, and I quote from Luke 19, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. I repeat that again. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Very clear, very clean. In a nutshell, Jesus is giving us his mission statement. To seek and to save what is lost. Then our Lord goes ahead ahead and uses the complaints of the religious people to teach the people using the parables of the sheep and the coin. And in these stories, Jesus makes the truth come out alive in a way that neither me or you or anybody else would have been able to do. If you start in verse 3 of chapter 15, he tells us about about the shepherd who had a flock of a hundred sheep. He does a quick head count, one, two, three, and realizes, oh, one is missing. Now, this flock was sizable enough that most people would not have been very concerned if it's only one which went missing. But in our story, the shepherd does the unthinkable thing. 
he leaves the other 99 sheep in the open country and goes searching for this one, one that has gone missing. And I was telling the 930 congregation that in my tribe we have a, or in my language, there's so many tribes in Kenya, we have a saying which goes like, now, when you translate that in English, it says, if you lost one sheep, if, then you spent the entire night in the wilderness looking for it. And this pretty much sums up what the shepherd in this story did. And when he finds the sheep, what does he do? He doesn't punish it for wandering off. No, no. The shepherd hoists the sheep, carries it on his shoulder, and brings it back home. And then he even goes and does something more extraordinary. He calls his friends and neighbors to come and celebrate the fact that he has recovered the lost sheep. Now, it's, it's, it's important that we understand the thing here. It's, the sheep is not trying to make this sheep anything more than it is. Sheep was sheep. Nothing more, nothing less. And unless, of course, a person had a very small flock, one sheep, the loss of one sheep was not very big deal. Losing one to the foxes or to the mountain lions was just considered a hazard of the trade. One sheep was expendable. You didn't leave your entire flock to go look for one that has strayed off. And you definitely didn't throw a party when you found it. But the shepherd in our parable today doesn't seem to fit the mainstream thinking of his people. He doesn't share the priorities of his culture. This single sheep meant everything to him. It was not expendable. And he would do whatever it took to recover it. Now, Jesus then follows this story immediately with another one. You may find it in verse 8. And in this one, it is the story of a woman who loses a silver coin. And the coin in question was a drachma. And I've checked various, various authorities, and nobody seemed to know exactly how much this was worth. But scholars tend to think that it was worth a day's wages when people just used to work on the farm. When this woman discovers that she has lost this coin, she goes on a quest, on a mission, to recover her lost coin. She lights the lamp in the house. She sweeps. She searches everywhere until she finds this coin. And then she does exactly what the shepherd in the previous story did. She calls her friends and neighbors to come and celebrate the fact that he has found a coin. At which point you may wonder, hang on a minute. Am I the only one who is not getting it here? It, it was strange enough to celebrate finding a ship and throwing a party. It's even stranger now. It's completely going over the top to call people and have a party for finding a single coin which was lost. It seemed the coin was a very insignificant thing. 
But she threw the party to celebrate it anyway. Now these two parables teach us several truths about God and his love for us. And if you will, we'll just share two or three. Lost people, that's lesson number one, matter to God very much. They matter to God more than we will ever understand. The shepherd and the woman in our story represent God and how he feels about lost people. And these stories of the lost coin and the lost sheep should be a primary part of our church mission as well. If God feels this strongly about lost people, then our church should be all about searching for the lost people. And when you think through them, these stories today, you'll find that both the shepherd and the woman cared very deeply for something that seemed not very important to the other people. The shepherd, the sheep and the coin were of little consequences to the average person in that culture. Yes, you would be very annoyed if you lost your sheep or you lost your coin. But you wouldn't turn your life upside down just to recover them. They weren't that particularly very important. And that's exactly how church, the Christian church, has always viewed the lost people. Sure, we think they should come to Jesus. Yes, we think it's very nice if most of them could be saved. But honestly, they are just not at the top end of our priorities. If some of them did not receive salvation, we can live with that. This is wrong. We should it. The church of Christ, and indeed our church here in Cambodia, should all be all about loving people the way Jesus loves them. We shouldn't care about your past or your present. Your past shouldn't shock us and your present shouldn't scare us. We will receive you as God receives you. Our motto should be the grace and love of Jesus can change any life. The second lesson that I find important in today's parables is that both the shepherd and the woman went to extreme, very ridiculous extent to rescue what was lost. The shepherd left 99 perfectly good sheep to just go looking for one. And the woman turned her house upside down looking for a single coin. Now both of them didn't give a second thought what the neighbors were going to think. The opinions of the neighbors and everybody else didn't matter to them. The only thing that mattered really to them was rescuing what was lost. And if that meant that everybody around thought they were crazy, so be it. Now as the church of Christ, we are called to go to ridiculous, audacious, and seemingly crazy extremes to reach people who are lost. The shepherd didn't wait until the sheep came back to him. Uh -uh. The woman didn't wait until she stumbled to her silver coin by accident one day. 
No, no. She turned her life upside down to look for it. And that is the same way Jesus approached lost people. And that is how he has called us as his church to approach lost people. Well, Jesus was very famous for hanging around in the wrong places, the water wells, the marketplace. Because these were the places where, which were the social gathering at his time. In other words, Jesus went where the people were. And if we are to participate proactively in this mission, we must go where the lost people are. I just wonder when is the last time we as a church took the time and went out to where these people are. Instead of waiting for them to enter our comfort zones through that door. Now God is calling our church to leave our comfort zones. He is calling us to go to ridiculous lengths to reach these people. And this may involve doing some things that other people may think He's a Christian. He seems a bit odd or crazy. But if you come to that point, then remember what Jesus said. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This was the reason Jesus came here on earth. It still is the reason. Only now he does this work with us as his church. He carries out this mission in collaboration with us. And the church cannot sit and pursue this mission. We have to be proactive. Now there's one more thing that Jesus makes very clear in both stories. Now Jesus tells us that there is celebration in heaven when one sinner repents. You go back to that, it will be in Luke 15:7. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, repenting is the only thing that causes a party to break out in heaven. When a sinner places their faith in Christ, all heaven, so to put it, breaks loose and a party is on. The angels shout, And God himself rejoices. The Bible never says that God throws a party when you tithe. Nah. It never says that there is a party in heaven when you pray. Mm -mm. We are never told that God throws a party when you read your Bible. No way. All these things are good and they are important and essential parts of your walk with Christ. But they don't make the angels put on party hats and blow those silly vuvuzelas. <laughs> when you hear vuvuzelas in heaven, a lost person has repented and come back home. That is the one thing that draws a party in heaven. Now, right before Jesus told these stories, he began, we began exploring. The religious leaders muttered, this man eats with sinners. He loves them. 
Now I want to ask you, aren't you glad that this statement is true? Because this statement, this man loves sinners and he eats with them, sums up why the Pharisees and the teachers of the law hated Jesus. But it also sums up why we as Christians love Jesus. He cares for us. As wicked and as sinful as we are. He will never leave us. He actually wants to hang around with us. And when we get lost. He come looking for us. He, pigs, he gives us a piggy ride back home. He forgives us. And he gives us another chance. To start all over again. What a joy. Amen.